Hello and welcome to the final episode of the 12 Shows of Rich Chang podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us over these few weeks, both by listening to this or by coming to a show or by paying for the downloads of the first 10 shows at gofasterstrike.com slash 12 shows. Uh, I'm here with my daughter, Phoebe Doris Joy Herring, who is uh, playing with a toy koala as we speak. She features quite heavily in this week's show, so it seems apt she's here, but also I'm meant to be baby minding and I'm multitasking. She's just had her milk. It's fine. You're all right, aren't you, Phoebes? Yeah. So let's go straight over to the Leicester Square Theatre dressing room to see how I was feeling before this momentous final show of Happy Now. Very scary. Cool, we're here. It's, we've done it. It's the last one. Well, we haven't done it because we've got one more to do. But we are here and there's no way out of it now. So we will be doing it. Uh, so, yeah, it's exciting. I've given George his T-shirt. Do you like it, George? Love it. should love it. It's going to be worth a lot of money one day when I'm dead. I'm a famous artist and won the Turner Prize. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't have any idea how this is going to go. I've done a very few previews of this stuff. Some of the stuff I've not actually ever done in front of an audience. I don't really know the order. The first half, I'm going to do the bits that I couldn't do in the shows because of time there's two or three routines that were that were that I liked that had to be cut out because uh, we had to move out of the venue uh, and also maybe a few, bit of historical stuff that I haven't done in stand up shows and um then the second half will be the new show so I don't know how long that will take I don't know how much material I've got for the new show it certainly won't be the final version of the new show but I'm quite happy with the way it's coming together I think there's some good stuff in there uh, but usually if I was premiering I would have done 40 previews and this would be the first day of Edinburgh and it would be alright on the first day of Edinburgh and then I'd do it 25 more times and it would be decent by the end of that so I've done about 15 previews of this show um, but I had lots of ideas today and I, whether they'll all get into the show tonight I don't know so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to developing it over the next um, few months for the tour and if the audience is as good as last night then hopefully that'll lift me and make sure that I come up with manage to improvise some good stuff on stage if they're not then I'll just have to fight my way through until I've done the time and then get off um but yeah I've got, I think I've got quite a nice ending and uh you know so it, and I've got some theories about happiness and what makes happiness and what doesn't and I think I've got some quite good routines. But it could be 30 minutes, it could be an hour, I've no idea, we'll see. I think I've sort of been doing about 35, 40 on the, when I've been doing the previews. But I, I've been padding out with other bits and pieces, so it's hard to know. So yeah, I'm kind of a bit scared, um, but it's sold out, so that's 406 tickets. It means we've sold an average of 290 tickets per show, just over, or 290.1. Um, the lowest Menage earn at 240, the highest happy, happy Now at 406. And the final rundown is happy now, then hit them slash, then yogurt, then oh fucking 40, then head master sun, then we're all going to die. Jumped up quite high, then 12 tasks of Hercules Terrace. Lord of the Dance settee, I thought it would get higher yesterday, but it only got up to 269, uh, but still puts it in something like eighth, is it? I think that's eighth place. Then uh, Christ on the Wake, then Talking Cock, then What is Love Anyway? Not quite on the bottom, but I think possibly the best show. Lord of the Dance settee went the best in this run, I think, so that's interesting. And Menage and at the bottom again, I think one of the best shows. But I like all of them. So, you know, and um, to be honest, that clump of the bottom one, two, three, four, five, well, the bottom five are 240 to 269, so they're all more or less in the same area. So we had the similar number of people coming to most of them. 
uh, and then a few that got over th- four that got over three hundred. So that's very good. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll convene afterwards and do a post mortem, uh, and then I'll go out and get drunk with my wife, and then I will spend some time at home with my family, like a, a disgraced politician. Cut. So yeah, I mean, I don't sound particularly nervous there, though. I was pretty nervous before the show, um, both about the first half, which I hadn't really had much time to rehearse i just had to hope most of it would come back quite a lot of it was stuff that i was reading out of diaries or whatever and especially the second half which of course was a, a much bigger deal now um well i'm going to give you the first half now which is 45 minutes long so that might lose a few of you so before that happens i will remind you that i am on tour with this show happy now that we're going to talk about it in this podcast um throughout well october through to june most of them are next year if you go to richtown.com slash happy underscore now slash tour, you can see all of the tour dates so far. There may be a few more added. It's the theatres that decide if they book me really rather than the other way around. So if you have a problem with where I'm going, ask your local theatre. But I don't want to add too many more. I'm generally trying to do a shorter tour where I go to the places I do well. So congratulations to you places for getting me back by liking me. Um, and also... You can, of course, listen to the first 10 of these shows at gofasterstripe.com slash 12 shows. It's only £12 for 15 hours of material. And the, what I'm about to give you is the first half of the show. It went really nicely. I was in a great mood, actually. I, was, uh, uh, I think there was a lot of confidence in the, the both halves of this show, which came, I think, from doing all these shows. It's, it's given me a, like a lot of increased confidence about uh, how I am as a performer. And also, the, the it's, it's been really lovely to have people supporting me which has also boosted my confidence after last year where I lost a little bit of confidence in Edinburgh it's been great that so many people have been coming to these shows and the receptions for them have been great so that really I think helped lift this performance so bear in mind that the stuff you're about to hear in this 45 minutes is stuff that either hasn't been in shows because I haven't put it in the show because it's maybe not fitted in or not been good enough to be in a show or the stuff that I've had to cut out of shows or in this run for time so if you enjoy this stuff, this stuff is almost like the worst stuff from, or at least the easiest stuff to cut from the, the 12 shows that I've done. So if you like it and it's free, you might think, well, hey, let's go and spend £12 on buying 10 more of those shows. That's a ridiculously good deal. I just have to say that. But the nice thing is, you know, if lots of people do it, then it, it becomes worthwhile. It's the whole Kickstarter for the Less Sweat Theatre podcast and everything if um if we can if everyone would just give a tiny amount then again if everyone who listened to all of my podcasts were to buy these 12 shows that would raise a million pounds for me and chris evans which would free us up rather to to do other stuff uh, as it is you know maybe about a thousand or so of you will buy them which is still very nice uh we have to pay george the incompetent sound man of course for making them which takes up most of the money but uh it's a nice little extra on top and I hope it's a, a nice little gift to you if you can afford to do it. But if you can't afford that £12, then that's why I want to put out little clips and little bits for free, including this entire first half of It's Not Happy Now, it's the stuff I did as my own warm-up man for Happy Now. But there's going to be quite a lot of stuff here now, so I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much. We've got there. 
Welcome to the show. Lovely to see you all. Thanks so much for coming. It's uh, the last of my 12 shows, so I've been allowed to bring in games. And uh, the game I brought in is Adam's Family Pinball, which... Uh, I'm... <laughs> Played. It's a very good game. Uh, on the last tour, I did threaten that I would do a whole show about Adam's Family Pinball as my next tour. Might get to a point where we have to do that in the second half. So, um, <laughs> what I'm going to do uh, today? Well, let's. Uh, first of all, who has been? Is this who? Cheer if this is the first one of the twelve you've seen. Cheer now. Yeah. There's a lot of you fuckers. Uh, and uh, cheer, cheer if you've seen two or more. Yeah. Cheer if you've seen five or more. Oh, it's quite a few. Cheer if you've seen eight or more. <laughs> Cheer if you've been to all 12. Yay! Well done, there's 29 people. Uh, if you haven't picked up your T-shirt, there's a T-shirt for people who've come who've bought tickets to all 12 all at once, so thank you very much for that. Thanks for the money, you're all mentally ill. You, you, you last ones. You last ones. What I'm doing uh, for is, because uh, obviously the new show, I just want to do uh, an hour. Uh, so... Uh, We'll see how close I get. Uh, so the first half of this show tonight, as we got, we got the theatre for the whole evening, which is great. So I'm going to do uh, some bits that I had to drop from some of the the previous twelve because they had, they were trying to fit into a quite tight time slot and had to lose a few routines that I thought were quite good. So we'll do those. I'm also going to do some bits of stand up that I've never done in any of my shows for various reasons. Uh, it's going to be a little uh, hodgepodge of, of stuff. Uh, let's see if I can remember what comes up. But I thought I'd start off by, uh, by doing... Uh, I started doing stand-up in uh, 1989, uh, the first uh, gigs I did. I thought I would give you the, the only bit I can remember from my 1989 set is the beginning of it. Uh, which is, Hello, my name is Herring. I come from uh, the small Somerset village. Uh, it's called Incester. It's, it's a tight-knit community. Um, my father was the world's only no-armed, no-legged pianist. Uh, as he always liked to quip, I like to play by ear. Which, uh, no, you're, you're right, it wasn't very funny because uh, he didn't have a head either. Uh, so, I think that's quite good. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I'll do I've done some little bits uh, of stand up from various things and bits from uh, the show. So, uh, I've got some sex advice uh, for you if you were to spice up your. Your love make it's very important to keep your love life spice up. So one thing I'd like to suggest to you uh, is bondage, the bondage love act. It's a bit saucy. What you do is you get some ropes and chains. Try and keep your love life a bit more interesting. Get ropes and chains. Tie your partner very tightly to the bed or radiator. <laughs> then you go out and fuck someone else, which is it's more interesting. You know, they're safely ensconced up in the bedroom there. There's no way... They can get away from that radiator. Just you know, when you come back, oh, sorry, I forgot you were up here. Um, Homes under the hammer was on. I got, I got sucked into it. Uh, sorry, I forgot the central heating was coming on. Uh, sorry, sorry about the burns. Uh, me and my girlfriend, we were going through a sexual malaise a few years ago. Uh, I know she had an idea how we could spice up our lovemaking. She said, "Why don't we get a Mars bar? Right, the Mars bar. Sweet, the Mars bar. You know, the Mars. You know, the Mars bar. It's like a bar. The Mars, the Mars bar." They still do those. I don't know if they still. You're not getting much recognition from those. It was pretty sure that was quite a popular Mars. The Mars. Why do you remember the Mars? Do you remember who remembers Mars? Anyone? Have I just did that? Have I just made that up? I don't know. Is that a, just? I'm not getting much brand recognition from that. It's, it doesn't Mars bar? Mate, am I saying the Mars bar? Oh, that's is it. Mars bar. The Mars. Is it the Mars bar. 
I was pretty sure this was a, a thing when I started the Mars bar, and I was starting, starting to wonder if I just made up a piece of confectionery. The Mars, they've got an okay, and it, no one seems to remember the Mars, but the Mars bar. No, well, you say it, it just sounds ridiculous. It kind of the Mar, Mars bar. So she said, I want to go to Mars, but you know the Mars, you know the Mars bar? You know the Mars, it's, a Mars, it's like a bar, it's a Mars bar, it's like a bar. Chocolate bar, Mars bar. <laughs> Mars bar. Just made that Mars bar. Maybe, yeah, maybe there is a Mars bar. I don't know, I mean, it's not, no one seems to else. It seems to, has anyone heard of the Mars bar? Yeah, you've heard of it, it's one person. That's kind of like, you, I remember it being quite popular. I feel like just one person chatting now, that feels like that's, let's move the show on. That doesn't, that's, he uh, clearly got stuck on believing there's a thing called a Mars bar. Let's just pretend there is a Mars bar, but I don't, now I've said it, I don't, there was a Mars bar. You know, maybe I've got, maybe there was a Mars, maybe I've entered an alternate universe in which there's, the Mars bar, I thought was a popular piece of confectionery, but no one seems to recognise it here, so it's beginning to doubt everything I thought was true about the, well, the Mars bar isn't real. She said, why don't we have Mars bar, a Mars bar, the Mars bar, the Mars bar sweet. We're going to melt it down to kind of paste in a little bowl over the stove. We could smear that over each other's genitals and then lick it off. I said, seems like a bit of a waste of a perfectly good Mars bar. <laughs> The thing is, Mars bars taste really nice. They're delicious. Uh, whilst genitals, <laughs> they tend to taste a bit sort of genitally, really. So, although you would improve that genital taste by smearing some Mars bar upon it, I would argue the Mars bar taste itself would be impaired <laughs> by the genitals uh, you mentioned. The way I look at it, if Mr. Mars wanted his Mars bars to taste of genitals, he'd have put some genitals in the recipe, wouldn't he? Like the bloke who invented scampi fries did. <laughs> to such great commercial success. <laughs> I do that. So uh, uh, there's a bit from, uh, from uh, Headmaster's Son that I didn't do, which I really like. Uh, uh, a bit more from my diary. I don't know if you saw this show, you'll know there's quite a lot of kind of crazy stuff uh, from this, uh, this diary. Uh, you can see I was just as funny then as I am today. Uh, exactly on the front. It says on the front, do not read unless instructed, then make sure, one, you have a strong drink before you start. <laughs> Just as funny then as I like, I'll tell you I'll tell you the lot, I only do the first one usually. Two, you have a brown paper bag ready for sick. <laughs> Three, you have nothing around you which you could use to kill or maim yourself with. Four, you are prepared to be completely bored. Well, you know, that is an unfair assessment. Uh, this this particular entry is kind of a it, there's some nice stuff in here, there's some really horrible stuff in here. And this the day this uh, this entry it's um, the 18th of June, 1982. And um, I, was, I was very upset because I was in love with a girl at this time called Marcia Radford uh, in my class. And she, she, I don't think she was very interested in me. She used to string me along a little bit, pretend she'd been on holiday and sent me a postcard that would never turn up. And uh, on this day, she told me she was leaving the school. She was going to move to another school and her family were moving away from Somerset. So I was absolutely heartbroken that my, the girl I was in love with secretly, she couldn't possibly know, uh, was was moving away. As it turned out, it was just a lie. She wasn't moving. She stayed. She was came back. It's just a clever joke. <laughs> but, you know, I don't feel so sorry, too sorry for me because the only reason I actually fancied Marcy Radford was because she had quite big tits. So that is... That is... <laughs> they were nice. But uh, they... Uh, I imagine. Uh, so, um... This is the, the, the diary. And I think if you saw this diary empty out of context, you would assume that it belonged to the Unabomber or someone who... <laughs> 
was that the next day he went into school and gunned down his entire class. This is genuinely what I wrote. Fuck off, world. <laughs> Go on, bugger off. I'd gone in too strong with fuck, hadn't I? And then I, I had nowhere to go. Some <laughs> very big writing there. Uh, you all hate me, and gradually I'm beginning to hate all you. I don't like any of my so-called friends. My family doesn't understand me. They don't listen to anything I say, and they call me childish. And then they wonder why I get violent. <laughs> if they only knew the half of it, even if you, dear friend, know what goes on inside me, things I can't describe, like these feelings of hate for people and fear, they are small, but they mean so much. I could have smashed my sister's head in today until she lay dead on the floor. <laughs> Sorry, Jill. Uh, my only true friend is this book, which I suppose is me. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is Jill. My mum is pathetic. She is so immature. <laughs> but so are all adults when you think about it. She says things like, isn't war stupid? And it all seems so false and so silly, it makes me mad. Uh, in the diary, I also later on say that I am anti-war, but that is very different than... That's a very different thing, uh, to say isn't war stupid. Adults are immature. They have to rule everything like little kids. They, having the strength, always win. But what is the point of telling kids to respect adults and not argue with them when they too will be adults one day and so will not have to respect other adults, so the training is a waste of time? <laughs> Which, if you manage to follow that, is a brilliant argument. <laughs> The whole fabric of society gets on my nerves. All of it. The whole fa all of the fabric of society. Let's see, let's see what particularly annoys the 16-year-old me. The father and mother love each other and their two kids and give them a good upbringing and all is happy apart from the occasional argument between parents and children. But these are kept quiet as the parents do not want people to think whatever they will think. All must look good, and if anything looks awfully bad, the adults tut quietly to themselves. I hate all the fabric of society, mainly as tutting adults. That's what really, tutting adults who love their children and bring them up. That is, this is brilliant though. Isn't it stupid? This is what I say here is fantastic. If I think differently when I'm older, it will merely be because I've fallen into the trap of power for adults. So that is, shame to, it was a shame to miss that. And, uh, in, uh, in What Is Love, anyway, I, did, I, read, I read my poem, Tom's Life, which is uh, a very famous poem, which many of you are aware of. I thought I'd share... There was, uh, there's quite a lot of poems I wrote uh, I, when I was in... Mainly in the, when I was on the, this Swiss run, and the Austrian and Swiss run of uh, my year off uh, in 1986. Or 1987, maybe. Uh, I think it's 86. Uh, uh, so this, uh, this is a poem that I made. I think, you know, it's ahead of its time. It's kind of about, uh, about uh, the environment and about how, how things are all going wrong. Uh, the title of this poem is no title yet. That is the title. I don't I think that was just a holding title. I think you're going to enjoy this. Once there was a perfect river. It was pure and clear. Animals would drink from it with no need to fear. Greenery, greenery was all around. Trees provided shade. Man had left it undisturbed. The price would soon be paid. Man makes beauty fade. The river runs down to the sea. Bad men come and go. One day good men may bring change, but the change will be too slow and the river may cease to flow. It's pretty good. <laughs> it wrapped. An evil man so fat on wealth one day found the water. It looked just right for factory waste. Never mind the slaughter. Poison spilled into the pure. Creatures drank and died. It had turned their throats to pus and burned out their insides. 
a single child cried. <laughs> Don't think a child saw. Just one child. The river runs down to the sea, bad deeds start to show, but selfish man ignores the signs and the bad deeds start to grow. The river may cease to flow. Other bad men saw the plan and the money saved. In waste poured and profits soared. Come on, that is good. It's an eternal rhyme, though. Maybe that is good. <laughs> the way their minds behaved. It says perhaps change after that line. <laughs> All life around the river died, evil soaked the ground. Good men started to protest, but their voices made no sound. In poison they were drowned. The river runs down to the sea, the horns begin to blow. Asterix, better possible? Yes. Horns. <laughs> <laughs> but bad men lie about their deeds, for they see no tomorrow. In brackets, is this okay? No. Uh, when the river may cease to flow. The pain spread across the land. Uh, I'm sorry, the poison spread across the land to water kept for drink. No one saw the dangers yet. There'd been no time to think. Disease and death were all around. Confrontation nears. The only water that was pure was from an orphan's tears. <laughs> only the orphans, eh? If they're... If they're only the kids crying had even one parent. That did not count. <laughs> At least now someone is. The river runs down to the sea. It doesn't stop for sorrow. People call there must be change. People can be slow. The river may cease to flow. At least, alas, the good men did win through and they found a cure. A few bad men were locked away. Everything was pure. But before it all had ended, so unluckily, most bad men had switched their plans and were poisoning the sea. The people let it be. The river runs down to the sea, but now here's the blow. Before bad deeds have come to light, new ones start to grow, and the river has ceased to flow. Yeah. And then I put in, in the diary, I then say, the last line, the last time, is meant to convey that by the time things change, it doesn't really matter anymore because the problem has gone already. Just in case you didn't get it. So that is... Uh, just in case you weren't clever enough to get that... Uh, on your own so uh, there's quite a lot of religious stuff uh, someone like Joggett there was a lot of stuff uh, I couldn't do just for time uh, it was a, a very long section about, uh, about the Pope and Catholicism which you know it just seemed over the top but uh, I don't know if there are any Catholics in the audience I don't want to offend any Catholics in the audience that's the last thing I'd want to do but it seems to me the main tenet of Catholicism do correct me if I'm wrong but it seems the thing they're most concerned about that God is most concerned about he gets furious about this God does not want any sperm to be wasted. That is his main thing. He gets furious. If like a single sperm falls on the ground, God is furious about that. He hates the wastage of sperm. I mean, you know, this guy created the universe, everything in it, uh, you know, all the planets and stuff, all of nature, everything he created, everything. Nowadays, he spends most of his time wondering whether you wanked into a sock or not. But that is, you know, he's got to have something to occupy his time. But, uh, so he gets furious. If, if it's, see, that's why in, in Africa, uh, people aren't aware, allowed to wear condoms, even though there's two-thirds of people who've got AIDS in some areas. Uh, the Catholic Church says they mustn't wear condoms because it's very important that the, every sperm goes into a vagina, even if that ends up in babies being born with AIDS. That is how important it is that no sperm is wasted. So AIDS babies is, is not an issue. God likes it if babies get AIDS. I think that's what he's saying. I think he gets turned on by it. I think, he, I think God wanks off at the AIDS babies himself. And so, ironically, his own sperm goes on the ground, but then he just forgives himself. He's got, that's the thing, he's got this... So no, it kind of seems weird to me. If the Catholics and God care so much about the wastage of sperm, why if God cares so much, why did he create such an inefficient sperm delivery system? That is... 
Because in every ejaculation, even if you're successfully impregnating someone, in every ejaculation, there are up to 600 million sperm. So even if you've successfully impregnated someone, 599,999 uh, sperm have been destroyed, have been not used for their purpose. It seems to me, if I was God, and, and I, worried, I was worried about people wasting sperm, I'm not worried about that. I have to say, if I was God, I wouldn't give a fuck about that. In fact, I would, I would if I was God, I'd reward whoever had wasted the most sperm in their life. I'd have... I'd have like an it's a knockout kind of dipstick affair at the end. <laughs> whoever wasted the most, you just, that's free. Every hundred years, whoever's wasted the most sperm gets to come into heaven, regardless of what they've done. Yeah, Fred West, come on in, mate. Well done, yeah, no. No, I disapproved of most of what you did, but that was a lot of sperm you wasted there. That was good work, that has gone right up to there. It's a knockout itself, is now the Stuart Hall. He, Stuart Hall will be there just having help. No, he's, he's not dead, he's still alive. Uh, amazingly. Uh, but uh, anyway, I don't, I don't. But if I was God and I did care about uh, the waste of sperm, I wouldn't create 600 million sperm. What I would have done, I'd have created a system where all men, once a month, produce one sperm about the size of a tract. Because there's no way that's going to get wasted, right? That is. Even that fell on the floor, you could pick it up, dust it off, and, and use it again. So that is... I think it would be good. I think it would have a lot of uh, good repercussions. You know, I think if that was the case, I think a lot of men would think twice before having casual sex with someone they weren't really in love with. They would go, well, thank you for inviting me back to your, your flat. It's lovely uh, to be here, but thanks for the offer of sex. But, I, you know, I'm, to be honest, I'm a little bit worried about where my trout sperm would have to exit my body. The aperture there is not really designed... For, you know, it would hurt quite a lot. I have to say, I'm not delighted about where the trout sperm is currently residing. It's a very tight space. It's very sensitive down there. It wasn't really designed for a massive fish. I'm in constant agony. It's flicking around in there. It hurts a lot. But to be honest, I would rather have that than have the, it come out of the old herring's eye there at the end. So, uh, so, <laughs> so I think we, we make men think twice. They'd only have sex with people they were really in love with and they really want to have a baby, which would be good. I think it'd be better for, for you ladies as well. Wouldn't it be a nicer system for you? I mean, I'm not a woman. I don't want to offend any women in the audience tonight. That's the last thing I wanted to do. But I mean, I, I'd imagine that would be... It'd be a better system, because in the old system, if a guy comes too quickly, that's... I go, oh, that's, that's my fun over, and that's the end of it for me. But in, in my new system, I don't know if you remember what my new system was, it's where every man, he has one sperm, it's exactly the same size that sounds size as a tramp. It's got the homing instincts of a salmon. It's not a salmon, though. It's, I, don't want, I want it to be a tramp. I've thought it through carefully. It's just got the brain of a salmon. And, it's all, and well, so when you're so like, the man ejaculates too quickly, you know, in this case, now, before you've been over the thumb of the other, now, you've got, there's a great big... There's a trout. There's a big trout in there flicking around in it. I mean, I'm not a woman, but I don't mind. That's got to be quite. I don't want to speak for you, but that's got to be a big trout wriggling around in there. That's going to be flicking its tail, providing some clitoral stimulation, I would, I would imagine. Trying to work its way up the vaginal shaft using its inefficient fin system, struggling to breathe with its gills, depending how excited you are, I suppose, about. That's, I mean, oh, that's got to be good. You'd like that, wouldn't you? If that was, you'd like that. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Enjoy it. I'm not. I'm not a woman. I don't want to speak to you. You'd like that, though, wouldn't you? You'd like a big trout filling you, filling you, be filling you for big trout flicking around. You'd like you. You would like it. You would like it. You trout whore. You'd like it. There is a point where this bit stops being comedy and uh, starts just being genuine sexual harassment. But uh, what I quite like about my job, if I were to go out on the street and, and say to women, I want to insert a fish into your vagina, I would be quickly arrested and 
rightly so. We might do it here, standing on a raised stage in front of 406 witnesses. It's fine. You, you'd like it, though. You'd like it, would it? Would you like it? You'd like it. You'd like it, I imagine. It's a yes or no answer. Isn't it? Would you like it, would you? Would you like it? Oh, you'd like it, wouldn't you? Would you like it? Would you think you'd like a trout? Would you like that trout? Would you like it? Would you? No, you wouldn't like it. How about a herring? So, uh, let's... Uh... <laughs> That's uh, much more uncomfortable on the DVD where I do that to a 16-year-old girl. So, uh, <laughs> Some of this comedy is dated, I think, and does not. <laughs> now, uh, this is a bit from Christ of the Bike that I really like uh, and uh, I kind of hoped uh, to have got, to got in the other day, but I couldn't. I, no, I, uh, amazingly, I got some complaints about my religious material. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, uh, but I got quite a lot of letters, especially after Christ of the Bike, and from lots of people who hadn't even seen the show. That annoyed me, because the Christians who came and saw the show generally enjoyed it, because it was quite well researched. It made some decent points. And at the end of the show, I think it's very fair to Jesus. I, I think Jesus is a man, not a God, but I, you know, I think... The philosophy of Christianity is amazing. I see myself as a Christite, uh, and I've, I, I would follow Jesus' philosophy. It's nice. So I think Christians who came to see, see the show enjoyed it. But lots of Christians who didn't come and see the show got offended by the show that they had imagined inside their own heads, which I, I, I quite like that, that they just got furiously angry about something that they had thought up themselves. They didn't, I, I invited them often. They, well, there was pickets for that show. I often invited the people... In and they go, no, we don't, we don't, I don't need to come and see it. I know what it is, because <laughs> I've already imagined it. So this is quite a typical, I got this email uh, from a woman called Angela Wilson. Uh, and it says, death is certain, but the Bible speaks about untimely death. And all the letters I got, nearly all of them, quote the same bit from the Bible. I don't know if there's a template complaint letter in the back of the Bible, I didn't know about. <laughs> but it's spooky the way it says, it's written in the Bible, Galatians 6, 7. That's not in the Bible, is it? That's a 1980s video game. No, you can't... <laughs> they can't quote 1980s video games and think that gives them moral authority. <laughs> Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. So, but if I reap what I sow, surely that just means that when I die, God's just going to write like a really funny comedy show about me. I'm, that's, that's, that's sort of probably called Richard Herring on a unicycle or something. I mean, that... <laughs> I mean, I'd be quite flattered by that if God did a, a one-man show all about me. I'd find that, that you know, that'd be quite a compliment in a way, wouldn't it? You know, I can, I can make a joke, I can take a joke, you know. Because, so if I, if I can take a joke, surely God could take a joke about himself from me. I mean, God is much more powerful than me, you think. Anyway, Andrew Wilson sent me a list of some of the people who've mocked God throughout history and the terrible things that have happened to them as a direct result. Now, just let's take the Christian God. It's been around for 2,000 years. You'd think in 2,000 years, all the people in the world, just coincidentally, someone would have said something really blasphemous and then just immediately had something awful happen to them just by the law of averages. So this is going to be a pretty good list, uh, I would imagine, a very long list of awful things. Let's see uh, what, what Angela Wilson comes up with. The first one is John Lennon. Uh, <laughs> then in brackets, it says singer. And... Um, <laughs> No, I'm glad those brackets were there, because until they put those... I wasn't quite sure who she meant until then. Then I went, oh, oh, the singer, John Lennon. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, that makes more sense. Then. Uh, so I think you know what he said. He said the Beatles were, were bigger than Jesus, more famous than Jesus. Uh, she says... Uh, it said, the email says, Lennon, after saying that the Beatles were more famous than Jesus Christ, was shot six times. 14 years later, <laughs> after he'd apologised. That, that's no good. I mean, that's that's... It can't just be 14 years later we get something happened. That's, that, that's no good. Does it has to be immediate if it's going to happen. If God had leant down from heaven and shot John Lennon the second he said that, then I'd be scared. But, you know, because I've written a joke about God, at some point in the next 50 or 60 years, I might die. 
Because I've mocked God, I am no longer immortal. That is no good, is it? The, uh, uh, the second one on the list is Tancredo Nevis. And then in brackets, it says President of Brazil. And you were glad the brackets were there this time, weren't you? Because you, you didn't know that one, did you? You are all laughy, laughy when it was one you knew, weren't you? <laughs> then it comes out, oh, Tancredo Nevis, who everyone knows is the President of Brazil. Uh, it says Tancredo Nevis. During the presidential campaign, Tancredo Nevis said that if he got 500,000 votes from his party, not even God could remove him from the presidency. Is that the best mockery of God they can come up with? I mean, that is very weak mockery of God. That's, that's political invective at best, isn't it? I mean, not, there must have been better examples of mocking God than that. It says, sure, he got the votes, but he got sick a day before being made president, then he died. A bit more immediate with Tancredo Nevis. When it was uh, 14 years for John Lennon, Tancredo Nevis fast-tracked through within a month, that was. What did Tancredo Nevis say about me? He, he said that uh, you couldn't remove him from office, God. Well, I can move him from office. I'm God. I can do whatever I... How dare you say that? He's mocking me. How dare he mock me in such a awful way? I can... I will. It's, wasn't it just political invective? Don't you mind him mock me. Doesn't... I hate Tancredo Nevis. I don't, I don't know why I created Tancredo Nevis. Kill Tancredo Nevis. Almost immediately. Kill him almost... Not straight away. Do it almost immediately. What, what about John Lennon? He's still alive. Should we kill John Lennon? Do you remember what he said about Jesus? No, forget John Lennon. isn't as bad as what Tancredo Nevis said, is it? Put John Lennon back to the back of the killing queue. <laughs> kill Tancredo. How dare you say I can't remove him from office? I can't. I'm going to show him by removing him from office. Do you want to worship a God that that's petty, that we get that cross about something? So if, if I'd been God and I'd been annoyed by, by Tancredo Nevis, he said if he gets 500,000 votes, no one can remove from office, I would have fixed it so that Tancredo Nevis got 499,999 votes and then slipped up in some dog shit. That, that would be, that would seem, that would seem more equal, wouldn't it? To the, uh, the next one, kill him, I'm killing him, it's awful. Uh, the next one is Kazuza, uh, and in brackets it says Brazilian composer, singer and poet. I think this email might have originated in Brazil. It's just a guess. <laughs> During a show in Rio de Janeiro, while smoking his cigarette, Kazuza puffed out some smoke into the air and said, God, that's for you. That isn't even mocking God. That's, that's offering God some of your cigarette. That's a nice gesture. The worst you can say about that is passive smoking for God. That is... <laughs> <laughs> it isn't even mocking him. He died at the age of 32 of lung cancer in a horrible manner. What, what the hell is going on with God? It, that's a massive overreaction. You think God's a bit thin-skinned skinned about this? What did Kazuza say about me? He didn't, he didn't say anything, God. He just offered you some... I, I, he said so. I didn't hear it all. I heard my name mentioned. <laughs> Kill Kazuza. Kill him in a horrible manner. Kill him quickly in a horrible manner. <laughs> Is Tancredo Nevis still alive? Yes, he will. Kill Tancredo Nevis. Well, you, obviously, that's worse. Then kill Kazuza. Sending smoke up to heaven. How dare Dare you do that? If anyone else sends smoke up to heaven, kill them as well. I mean, Oh, no, I'm going to have to kill all the Catholics now. <laughs> there are ch child killers. Gary Glitter is walking around. Jonathan King walking around. <laughs> Nothing bad hands them all. Kazuza dead of lung cancer, 32 years old. God is a prick. So the, uh, the, the fourth one, the man who built the Titanic. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered to Google that, find out his name. I don't Look, I had to Google the first three. I had to Google John Lennon. I found out he was a singer. I put that in brackets. A, no, everyone will be convinced by the first three. No one will even read this far. I don't need to put the extra work in. 
The man who built the Titanic. After the construction of the Titanic, a reporter asked the man who built the Titanic <laughs> how safe the Titanic would be. With an ironic tone. He's almost like he knew that the Titanic was going to sink. I mean, there would, be, there would be no reason to have an ironic tone. He's going, well, you, this will make sense a bit later on. <laughs> Wait a couple of weeks. What I'm saying now will seem quite amusing. With the benefit of hindsight, you ain't saying, I'll tell you what it is now. You wait. With an ironic tone, he said, not even God can sink it. The result, I think you all know what happened to the Titanic. In that, in that case, someone hasn't even mocked God. They've mentioned him in a sentence. And what, what God has done to punish, punish him is sink a ship with thousands of people on it, killing hundreds of them, not including the bloke who actually said that, who escaped in a life raft. So... <laughs> The new rule is don't mock God or travel in any transport designed by someone who mock God. That is the next, the next time you get on a bus, go to the driver, you go, excuse me, before I get on, can you tell, did the bloke who designed this bus ever mock God in any way or mention God in a sentence or send him any smoke or vapour of any kind? I just don't want to get on until... That one isn't even true, that's apocryphal anyway, that didn't ever... They've just made that one up, that didn't happen. So, uh, by the sixth one, they, they've just, again, they've just started to make things up themselves. That, and that's not fair, this might be true. You can tell that this story is true by the way that nobody in this story has a name and none of the things in it could possibly have happened. <laughs> apart, apart from that, apart from that is definitely true. In Campanas, Brazil. Why doesn't God just wipe out Brazil? That's why if he just, if he just took out Brazil... We'd all be fine, he could leave the rest of us alone. A group of friends drunk went to pick up a friend. The mother accompanied her daughter to the car and was so worried about the drunkenness of the people in the car. What do you think, what do you think she did? Uh, she probably, I'm guessing, she probably said, oh, don't get in the car, there's drunk drivers, that would be an awful thing to do. That's what, that's what any mum would do. Right? So I'm, I'm expecting it's going to be that. Let's, let's see if I'm right. Uh, oh, no, she didn't. They said, uh, she, uh, she said to her daughter, holding her hand, she was already in the car, my daughter, go with God and may protect you. I think if anyone deserves to die in this entire email, it's the mother who let her daughter get into a car with a drunk driver and then just had a magic spell over her to try and protect her. Uh, the daughter responded, only if God travels in the trunk, because inside here, it's already full. Slam! Yeah, she's taken God down there, hasn't he? Oh, she's mocked God there with her basic statements of facts based on geometry and volume. God, God must be... God must be fuming. He's going, what did she, what did she say about me? What did she say about me? I couldn't quite hear because I'm, I'm in the trunk. Wait, what did she... What did she say? She said you were in the trunk. How dare she say that about me? Well, you, I mean, God, you, you are omnipresent, so technically you must be in that. Don't you mock me, don't mock me. How dare she say I'm in the trunk? I am God. Of all the six mockeries there have been of me in history... <laughs> This is, the, this, is, this is worse than what Tancred never said. I, did, I didn't think we'd ever, we'd ever top that. I didn't think anyone would be more blasphemous than Tancred. Kill this girl, not quite immediately, but almost immediately. I want you to wait like two hours and then kill her. Just so there's no... People can't be quite sure. How dare she say I'm in the trunkness? But God, you are in the trunk. Are you mocking me? You better not be mocking me. You remember what happened to the bloke who designed the Titanic? Nothing at all. He's like, no, no. Hours later, only hours this time, news came by they'd been involved in a fatal accident. Everyone had died. Even the people in the car who said nothing about God being in the trunk, they'd all been wiped out as well, collateral damage. So don't mock God, travel in any transport designed by somebody who mocked God, send God any vapour or smoke of any kind, or travel in a car with anyone who's recently mocked God. Those are the new rules. 
The car could not be recognised what type of car it had been. <laughs> I didn't write this. Uh, the, the, uh, the car could not be recognised what type of car it had been. Now, maybe I'm saying that wrong. The car could not be recognised what type of car it had been. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But if, you, if you're gonna send that an email trying to convert people to your religion, do make sure it reads like it's been written by a three-year-old child writing in a second language. That is... The car could not be recognised what type of car it had been. No. But surprisingly, the trunk was intact. Oh, no, hold on, wait, well, no, wait, wait. So that means God was in the trunk then, right? So that, doesn't it, that, that's what that means. So God, the girl had said a basic, basic fact, God was in the trunk. God had got angry about it and then killed her for saying, for just, for stating a fact. God hates facts more than anything else. That is, more than sin, he hates that. Uh, how did she, it's like he's playing hide and seek. How did she get me straight away? Oh, it's because I'm uh, so he killed a teenager for saying he was in the trunk when he was in the trunk. He's very petulant. Uh, the trunk was intact. The police said, this is what the police said. This, I'm, I'm guessing this is from the Brazilian police report. This is, what they, this is what they said in the report. The police said there was no way the trunk could have remained intact. The police said that. No way the trunk could have remained intact. But do you remember from earlier? Do you remember the trunk was intact? But the police said there was no way, there was no way it could be intact. But it was intact. That is, that's the, there's no way it could be, but it was. The police said that. Right, put this in the report, Sergeant. There's no way the trunk can be intact. Put that in right away. I, I will put that in if you like, sir. But the problem I have with putting in the police report, there's no way the trunk can be intact when the trunk is intact, is that that suggests to me there must have been one way the trunk could have remained intact because, because the trunk is intact. That is my... Put that in the report. They're trying that. Put the trunk. There's no way it can be intact. But make it, write that down. There's no way it can be intact. I'll write it down if you want, sir. You're the superior officer. But my problem with writing down that there's no way the trunk can be intact when the trunk is intact is, you know, that if I write that, there's no, that we'll look like idiots. I will write in the report. There's no way. I'll write. But if, there, if, this, if this report ends up in an email that gets circulated around the world, everyone's going to think the Brazilian police force are idiots, right? That's right. Don't mock me. Write in the report. <laughs> Have you written there's no way the car can be recognised what type of car it had been yet? No. <laughs> I, I haven't written that yet. Well, write that in. I told you to write that in straight away. Yes. My problem with writing down the car could not be recognised what type of car it had been, apart from the, the grammar of that. And the trunk was intact, so there was no way the trunk could be intact. Isn't the trunk of the car the one place on every car where the name and logo of the car is clearly displayed? So, if we want to know what type of car the car would be, why don't we go round to the trunk of the car, just read the logo off the back, and then at least the mystery of what type of car the car had been. At least that will be, that mystery will have been solved. We'll have solved one, just write in the report. I, I happen to know with this type of car, whatever type of car it is, that if it's in an accident, there is no way the trunk can remain intact. So write that in the report. To their surprise, You'd think they'd have been surprised about the trunk being intact when the, there was no way. You'd think that would have astonished me, the basic breakdown in physics. You think that would have astonished the Brazilian... They weren't surprised by that. They weren't surprised until this moment coming up now. So the Brazilian police force were expecting that. They were expecting the trunk to not be intact, to be intact when there was no way it could be. I think a call came through and said, oh, I've got to go out, darling. There's been a terrible accident. Loads of teenagers are dead. I'm going to make a little bet with you. I'm betting when we get there. There's no way the trunk can be intact. <laughs> But I bet it will be in time. <laughs> I bet you 50 
units of Brazilian currency. <laughs> well, I'll take that bet. If there's no way it can be, then it can't be. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think it won't be. There's no way it will be, but it will be. It said, to their surprise, inside the trunk was God. Hello, I do exist. It's me. I was in there all the time, just like the girl said. Uh, so it's a bit weird time to reveal myself, isn't it, with all these dead teenagers around that I've needlessly killed. But forget, don't look at them, just me. It's God. It wasn't that. I made that bit up. <laughs> to their surprise, inside the trunk was a crate of eggs. Don't not surprise them about that. That's not surprising, is it? You know, when you're going out drink driving, what's the first thing, without fail, you'll always put in the trunk of the car? Crate, it's a load of eggs. More eggs than you could conceivably eat in a, in a month. You just you fill the boot with a crate of eggs, and that's just what you have. Because you never know when you're out drink driving when you might need to, need to make a massive omelette or something. You don't, do, you don't have to pop to the shop, so you just have that a big cake or something you might need to make for someone. But uh, do you think we should be driving around with all these eggs in the trunk? You're a bit... You're a bit drunk and stuff. I'm a bit worried about the eggs. No, it's all right, because I happen to know with this type of car. Uh, they don't mention any of the literature because it would be bad, really. Most people wouldn't care. But the, the, all the safety features of this car are in the trunk. They are, everything is... There's nothing going to happen to the trunk of the car. It's not in the literature because most people want it, like, in the passenger seats and stuff. But I always travel around with a massive quantity of eggs, like a million eggs I have. And I want to know if I'm in a fatal accident. At least as I die, I'll know that my eggs will be safe. So that's... Inside the trunk was a crate of eggs. None of the eggs was broken. That is a true story made up by a child. <laughs> you know, they, they, they've over-egged that, literally, haven't they? That was, that was, it was fine. The trunk being intact when there was no way it could be intact. That was enough. They thought, oh, I'm going to put in another detail to get that. They should just left it in that. I think that's saying God is an egg, right? I think that's what it's saying. Is it saying God is Humpty Dumpty? I think that's what it says. I wrote, I wrote back to Angela Wilson. I said, it's brilliant. Out of all the examples of uh, blasphemy in history, you've found six examples of people who've mocked God and not remained immortal. But if we look at the, the 12 people who hung around with Jesus, his disciples, of those, 10 of them were either stoned to death or crucified. So if you're friends with Jesus, you've got a five out of six chance of dying in a horrible way. If you're mocking me, it's about six in 550 billion. So I, I, think, I'll, I think I'll take my chances. So, um, there we go. That is, uh, oh, we go. we've done quite a lot of time in this. That's nice. Uh, it's always nice to fill some time. Uh, so, um, with comedy. So, look, uh, we're going to have a break, uh, and we'll uh, come back, and I'll do uh, what could laughably be called my new show. And, um, so, thank you very much for your support with this. Thank you so much for coming along tonight. Uh, come back in about 15 minutes. I've just got to go and uh, try and write some jokes <laughs> for the second half. So, I'll see you then. Yeah, so that went nicely, all right, wasn't it? That wasn't too bad. Remember, you can hear all those other shows. Ten other shows for £12. Go faststrike.com slash 12 shows. That's one, two, the numbers, 12 shows. Um, I'll just read you... I mean, I was going off there, and I was joking around about uh, not knowing what the show was going to be. I did have some stuff written, but I really genuinely had no idea how much it was going to be. Um, so I'll read you my blog from the day, which is, of course, written after the event from 12th of September. I stayed preternaturally relaxed throughout this day, even though I had a lot to achieve. Maybe having done all the other shows when it felt like I only knew them subconsciously, I was ready to take the chance that my brain would somehow pull this out off. Or maybe I was just praying that the audience would make concessions and enjoy a bumpy and half-finished show. It certainly wasn't the case that I didn't care. I really wanted to give my sellout crowd a show that was worth £15. It's just I was ready to accept 
it for whatever it was going to be. Again, I was freed up for not having another show in the after the theatre after me. I planned to do a short first half of a few of the routines that I'd had to cut from the other shows. And there were some good ones, which I hope spoke volumes about how strong the shows were, if I could afford to drop material as good as this. But with no time limit, I decided to aim for a 45-minute show of cut bits and other assorted odds and sods that had never been in stand-up shows, including the opening of my first ever stand-up set from 1989. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. And then after the interval, see how close I get to an hour of new stuff. I suspect it would be about 40 minutes, as that's how much I've managed in previews. But I had some ideas on places I could improvise around ideas on stage. And also, as the deadline approached, I was thinking of extra bits and pieces of stuff that I could add. I managed to write a conclusion that summed up my feelings on the struggle for happiness. I remembered to talk about Laurie Lee and his relationship with his daughter. And as much as I thought this was might be a bit rough, there was a part of me thinking it might actually be quite good. The opening couple of minutes have been have done... Uh, I've I, I, a couple of routines have been done enough for me to realise there's something special about them and I started to feel this might be overall quite an interesting and original take on becoming a father not flippant and distant like some dad jokes are not overly romanticised but fairly honest about the joys and terrors of bringing new life into the world and being responsible for not snuffing it out that's you, you can slap me in the face as much as you want during this I went into it the blasé mixture of confidence and ah well what the fuck that I've had to cultivate over the last five weeks ends and there was on, on another electric atmosphere the audience a surprising number of whom by the survey I took at the start of the show hadn't come to any of the other 11 shows but a hardcore band of 29 lunatics who'd come to every fuck you want a fucking one it really helped that everyone wanted me to do well I got a blazing reception as I think maybe for once in my life I deserve I can't even get my head around the fact that I've managed this even if I fell at the last hurdle the first half of Odds and Sods went very well, and I sat in my dressing room wondering what was to come. And as it turned out, aside from having to check the running order a few times, I gave a pretty good showing of the material I've brought together, and it felt like a proper show. I've got a baby's hand in my mouth at the moment. There are certainly bits that I want to expand upon and improve, and it'd be nice to make a few bits of linking material funny, or at least clarify the argument. But I ended up with doing an hour of stuff with a proper conclusion and laughs all the way through. Perhaps because I've been writing this whilst going over old shows, it feels like I've learned lessons about what balance of material works, when to extend something and when not to. But there's raw and da- dirty stuff. There's still some stuff of edginess of material and there's plenty of heart and emotion. It's an honest look at fatherhood from a man besotted with his daughter, but terrified of all the stuff that could go wrong and the new responsibilities of his life. And I hope it's a fresh take. There's still a fair way to go before it's a show, the show I wanted to be, but I'm amazingly pleased with what I've managed to create, given all the other stuff that's been going on. It's been a remarkable ride, and I'm really glad I took it, and still incredulous that I got through it with so few scars. And if that wasn't enough, the Kickstarter ended while I was on stage, and exactly 2,000 people had pledged to the podcast, raising £57,340, which is probably enough for us to film the first two episodes of Series 9, as well as all of Series 8. This level of support is just mind-blowing, and the contrast with how I felt this time last year is so extreme. I hope I can make Happy Now my best stand-up show, and I'm determined the rest of the next series of Rahalastapur... Phoebe, Rehelestapa, will be better than this one, and it's generally acknowledged as the strongest one. I have about as much chance of playing the Hammerson of Apollo in my own right as Jeremy Corbyn has of becoming Prime Minister, but our supporters have given us hope this weekend, and I feel energised and ready to take on all the challenges that comedy and being a dad are going to throw at me. Um, now, to have a little bit of a break, but look forward to what's come, especially on the Happy Now Tour, which is which is www.richterry.com slash happy underscore now slash tour. You shouldn't pull my hair like that. I know it's fun for you, but it hurts. If you've got one of the 12 shows T-shirts, by the way, I forgot to take photos of some of them. I need uh, two Christ on a Bike first coming ones. Uh, one, oh, fuck, I'm 40, and what is love anyway? Go to richchain.com slash downloads to see if yours is one of the missing ones. If you're one of the lunatic 29 who came, oh, you did so well getting through all that, darling. You did, you did so well. I'll do a little stop there, then we'll have a break. 
Right, well, I don't think I'm going to do any clips from the Happy Now show for obvious reasons that I would like you to come see it on tour. Um, though uh, there's lots of funny stuff about this little ball of sex woman beside me, and I think it is going to be a, a good show. But I will end the podcast by the summing up that I did in the dressing room with George. It's been a long journey with me and George, which I hope he's enjoyed as much as I have. He got his Vaginal Frooms t-shirt today, so he's delighted about that. And now I will... I've learned the lesson of my show that family is more important than work, Phoebe, except... But then you need to carry on doing work for family to carry on existing. Yeah, all right, we'll just stick in this thing. Say goodbye to the listeners. Oh, now you shut up. Is it? Now, you, now I ask you a question. You're a good girl. Can you do your little trick for them? You do that. Oh, yeah. You do that. Good girl. That was her. They were going, that's my little daughter. She's going to be an expert podcaster, even if I didn't manage to get a podcasting within the first minutes of her life as I had hoped. Don't then, you can't do your trick and then cry. That is not, you have to pretend you're not sad inside. That's the whole point of being a comedian. Do your trick. They all go, oh, hooray. And then you pretend you're happy. And then when you get off stage, when it's ended, you can go, you can start crying. That's how comedy works. Let's listen to daddy in the, uh, in the dressing room after show. Thanks so much for listening to these podcasts. Do support us in whatever way you can. But there's no need to either. We, um, I love doing them for you. Uh, and uh, thanks everyone who came. Come and see me on tour. Bye. Cool. Well, it's done. We've got champagne. I'm here with my wife from the programme of Happy Now and her friend and wife, Christina. Uh, and uh, apparently I read on Twitter. And yeah, we did it. It's, you know, well, I say we. It was me, mainly. George was slightly involved. Uh, it, was, it went very well. I'm kind of surprised, really, how well it well went. Um, the first half I did all these bits and pieces that were quite good fun. That took about 45 minutes, and then I did the show, and it sort of hung together and went on for an hour, and sort of more or less worked as a complete <laughs> show. So I think with a bit of work, you know, it's, it's, it needs a bit of tidying up in the links and stuff, and just working out what I'm doing, but it seemed to work pretty well. So um, everyone was very nice, it was a lovely audience, it was full, um, and I think, you know, there's just a very nice atmosphere with quite a lot of people who come to lots of the gigs. There are quite a lot of people who hadn't come to any of the others. Yeah, it's a big Yeah, uh, but... Uh, yeah, so it's uh, I, you know I was, didn't get too emotional at the end, but felt that it, was, it felt good to have finished. Um, and thanks to all the people who came to lots of shows, and nice to meet you all afterwards. And um, yeah, it's sort of unbelievable that I've done it. I did I didn't think this would be quite as good as as it was, <laughs> which is to say I thought it would be quite bad. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's great, but it was it kind of hung together as a show. So that's it's really nice that that, has, that part of the experiment's worked and that I've got certainly a show that I can work up and turn into a tour show and over the next few months and be touring in mainly in the spring. There are a few tours. I'm doing Frog and Bucket in October and the Brighton Festival and a few other ones before Christmas, but it's mainly from February onwards next year. So if you want to come and see the show, I think it's going to be quite good. I had a feeling, you know, that the beginning bit was good, and but there's enough routines in there, I think, to sustain a 90-minute show eventually. And, uh, yeah, I feel quite very happy. Uh, and it's been nice working with George. I'm going to miss him on Fridays and Saturdays. But not Sundays. Not Sundays. He'll be on Sundays. We'll be back for the Less Square Theatre podcasts. Uh, and that's the Kickstarter just finished. And I was asking on Twitter for to get two thousand people and exactly, and uh, 
because I was being compulsive and it's exactly 2,000 people and uh, I was going to see how the, we might come up in a minute what it was we, um, we 2,000 backers brought this project to life it says and we raised um, it doesn't say anymore because it's actually finished we raised some money where is it Oh yeah, fifty-seven thousand three hundred and forty. I asked a round number as well, and that's not round enough. Someone should put another hundred and sixty in there at least. Three five thousand seven hundred would have been good. So it's been a very successful uh, month, and we've got these shows done and the Kickstarter's done. So I feel very glad and very uh, privileged. So thank you for all your support, everyone, and goodbye. This is the end of this podcast. There will definitely be no more. Goodbye. <laughs>